Well, Ben Nicholson-Smith, it feels as though uh, all of us, you, me, Ben Shulman, who once again did an outstanding job on the call. Actually, you know what? The three of us doing this are undefeated. You realize that? We've done, we did the four-game Angel series, and then this is the next one. So we are still undefeated. So I'll, I'll take you guys in here as, as many games as humanly possible. But uh, everyone had been waiting almost a full calendar month for Matt Chapman to heat up. And I have to say, there's no better time for him to bang two home runs than on a bullpen day. Absolutely, absolutely. And yes, this trio here, 5-0. and 5-0 and for anyone keeping track. <laughs> but yeah, Matt Chapman, an incredible performance for him tonight. George Springer with a huge swing, a great catch in center field as well. So Chapman, Springer, this is the reason the Blue Jays went out and acquired these guys in the last couple off seasons. They already had a strong core, but to get Springer, to get Chapman, these are the players who push that core forward, who give them moments like this and potentially more to come. Yes, yeah, Springer banging that home run as well. And uh, it was interesting because, you, you know, you checked some swings earlier in this ball game, And, you know, I think the elbow thing is going to be something he's going to have to manage. I dare say not just for, and you and I have talked about this before, not just for the rest of the season because the season ends on October 5th. So what, about two and a half weeks of baseball left? Not just in the playoffs, you hope, but uh, also probably for the rest of his career, I, w I would think. But he, he was really wincing at the plate. I honestly, I was shocked because that, that home run that Springer hit, was not, it wasn't just the, a, a ball that squeaked over the fence in the outfield. That was an absolute bomb. It, it was, for sure. And I, I definitely think for the rest of this year, whatever's going on with Springer's elbow, that will be an issue. Yeah. If you're the Blue Jays and if you're Springer, I think you look for ways to address that in the offseason. So if there's a way to, not going to speculate on what, but if there's a way to look at that, get some medical professionals in there, maybe there's a solution. But for now, he's clearly dealing with some discomfort, even some pain. And yet, a home run right there, some good defense in center field. It's it's another impressive game for George Springer. Uh, but, of course, Springer and Matt Chapman providing all of the runs here tonight. I, I dare say Matt Chapman, Ben, has some sort of vendetta against Jordan Lyles, right? He had his 25th home run of the season off of Lyles. It was his first home run since August 20th, today being September 16th. So almost a full calendar month since his last home run. The first one tonight was a, essentially a frozen rope right up the left field line, just inside the foul pole out there in left field, into the second deck. So from July 22nd, when the Blue Jays returned from the All-Star break, that first came back was the 28-run outburst against the Red Sox. Uh, from the 22nd of July to August 20th, he had nine home runs. From August 20th to just before first pitch tonight, zero. And then today, two home runs from Chapman, the second one going way out there to the left field seat. So here's hoping Chapman can stay hot through the next uh, two and a half weeks of baseball. Like I said, I mean, Chapman is, is uh, one of those guys where you know everything he brings defensively with that glove. There were a number of plays he made in foul territory just past the third base bag where he, you know, diving, well, not diving, but lunging grabs over his shoulder. Very impressive stuff. And I had said, I think I had said to Julia, Julia Kreutz, uh, she and I had made second-half bold predictions. And I had said, I think in that 28-5 to uh, game that the, the Blue Jays had over the Red Sox, I think he hit a home run uh, in that game. And I had said that Chapman's, like the my second-half bold prediction would be 30 home runs for Chapman by the end of the season. And then he kind of, it kind of fell off. But, hey, 26 home runs here after the, the two tonight. Uh, it, it's looking okay. It's looking okay. So here's hoping he can stay hot. Absolutely. I, I really do believe that this is this is a, an incredible season from Matt Chapman. 
Uh, I'm not sure. I don't have the war total in front of me, but clearly you look at the overall production, and there is no doubt in my mind that if the Blue Jays could get this for the rest of this season, the playoffs next year, they would take that in a second. And if he has a vendetta against Jordan Lyles, then I'm sure the Jays are hoping that he despises <laughs> Kyle Bradish and, yes. and uh, whatever he's throwing at the Blue Jays tomorrow. But a great game from Matt Chapman today. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. Welcome to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and BNS with you. You hear Ben, of course, on At the Letters with Arden Swelling. He's double-dipping today and tomorrow with me here on Jays Talk. On the broadcast all weekend with Ben Shulman, we're breaking down the Jays' 6-3 win over the Orioles to kick off the series at Rogers Center. Jays winners of 5-6 of six versus the O's. They won the last game of a series against the O's prior to a road trip. They won three of four in Baltimore, including one of the games, in the, including the doubleheader. And then they won the first game of this three-game set here tonight. And now they are six games up on the Orioles with Baltimore in the wild card hunt. So give us a call, 416-870-0591, star-590 on your cellular device. We'll take your text as well at 590-590, name and location. I, I have to say there was a moment in the uh, bottom of the fifth inning, Ben, where Chapman and Tapia reached base as the first two runners of the inning. I think I guess it was Chapman's second plate appearance of the night. There were no outs when Danny Jansen came to the plate. Jano flew out to the center fielder, Jackie Bradley Jr., who, who uh, didn't have the greatest of games at the plate. He uh, struck out immediately afterwards. And then George Springer bangs the home run. So, and, of course, a massive home run. But I, I have to say, I think uh, it's the, the bottom of the order has provided a lot more pop as of late. And I'll, I just I wonder, it just feels like they're so close to finding the right combination, finding the right concoction of guys who are going to be able to provide. If I could combine Rymel Tapia and Jackie Bradley Jr. into one player, into one baseball player, I would love it because I love seeing Jackie Bradley Jr. out there in the outfield. You, you just feel he, he makes the outfield plays look so boring, which is what you, exactly what you want. You don't want there to be any adventures out there in, in, in the outfield. Jackie Bradley Jr. completely makes everything super boring in the outfield, which is what you want. Uh, but his bat, unfortunately, leaves a little bit to be desired at times. It does. And I, I would have to imagine that in the same way that this, this pitching setup would not be used in a game that mattered a whole lot to the Blue Jays. If it was a life-and-death situation for the Jays, they're not doing a bullpen game. And I think along those lines, Jackie Bradley Jr. in the games for the Blue Jays that count the most is probably coming off the bench. He's probably a defensive replacement late in games, goes into right field alongside Bradley Zimmer and provides that lockdown defense. I don't necessarily see him starting in a playoff game. And so that's that's fine. You you need him in these regular season situations, much like you need a Jusei Kikuchi to, to bridge those fourth and fifth innings today, Julian Merriweather, Trevor Richards, it's, it's a bit of a different look, a bit of a different tactical situation for the Jays and for John Schneider, uh, but today it, it definitely worked as well as they possibly could have hoped. I have to say I'm uh, very pleased that uh, George Springer and Matt Chapman again, just and Blue Jays' bullpen, certainly we'll talk about the bullpen day in a sec, but I'm glad they saved us from having to opine about Yusei Kikuchi. i got to say, like, I was writing my notes after he gave up the home run to, uh, I guess it was Rutschman, and I thought to myself, oh boy, here, here we go again. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, bu- buckle up. And, and th- thankfully, after the Springer home run, he was out of there. Meza was in there. And then it certainly looked like the, the bullpen day could have gone a couple of different ways. But once it not once it was no longer a safe situation, of course, uh, I guess it was uh, Henderson banging the home run at the very end of the game. But prior to that four-run lead, I uh, the, the Blue Jays were able to go to their higher leverage guys, and I'm glad they did. 
Yeah, it, you know, it all really did work out pretty nicely, even at the end. The home run, Gunnar Henderson makes it a three-run game, but ultimately the Jays did not have to use Jordan Romano, who has had a pretty low-key week to this point. He would have to be available for the next two games. Uh, you'd, you'd certainly imagine with an off day on Monday, the Jays would not hesitate to go to him if needed on Saturday and Sunday. So it, it's remarkable. I mean, this has been a very grueling week for the Blue Jays pitching staff, yeah, no right? You think about Tampa Bay Rays, five games in four days, bullpen game against the Orioles. These are divisional games. It is not an easy time of year. And yet at this point, it looks as though they've come through that week pretty well. In the six games that they've played, they've won four of them. Yeah, that's yeah. a great result. Yeah. That's that's a really good result considering how much of a grind it's been for the pitching staff. Uh, let's go to the phone lines again: four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety zero star five ninety. Pardon me on your cellular device. And again, you can uh, we'll take your text at five ninety five ninety name and location. Jennifer calling in from Toronto. Jen, welcome to Jay's Talk. Um. Good game at Chapman. I'm glad he hit some. It's been a bit of a drought. My question is, especially if he's dancing in doubles and blah, 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 blah. But Jackie Bradley obviously can't hit a curveball, can't hit a fastball, can't hit whatever. But can't he's fast. Can't he bunt? Is there any effort? I know people will say don't bunt. But just flap it over to the side, do something. Because he's a wasted out. I love his hey, Jennifer, defense. Thank- yeah, same, same. So do I. Absolutely appreciate the call, Jennifer. Yeah, the defense, like we were talking about from Jackie Bradley Jr., is stellar. It is absolutely stellar. I dare say it is impeachable because he has, he has like I said, he makes all the adventures sometimes you see out there into uh, very boring, routine plays, which is exactly what you want. But the bunting from JBJ, you know what? I There are not a lot of guys in the lower half of this order, Ben, who who I think can lay down a quality bunt. I think, I know Dan Schulman had talked about this with Blair and Barker. I know, um, I know Buck had talked about this with those guys as well. Just the idea that when it comes down to it, like, like when we get to the playoffs and you need someone to lay a bunt up one up the, the third baseline or what have you, who is that guy on this team? Uh, uh, maybe, maybe Whit Merrifield. Maybe. I, I, apart from him, I can't really think of anyone else. You try. Like I said this before on Jay's talk. I'd like to never see Santiago Espinal bunt ever again. He's not great at it. <laughs> so I just apart. You're not asking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to bunt. You're not asking Bobichet to bunt. You're not asking George Springer to bunt. Same goes probably for Teoscar Hernandez. I would imagine Alejandro Kirk. So there are not a lot of guys you would ask to bunt in the first place. So of the guys you would, are there a lot of guys you would trust to actually lay down a quality bunt here? There are not. There are not. I agree with you on Espinal. I I think Whitmerfield maybe. I actually think Danny Jansen is also a candidate if you needed a bunt down. Um, and thanks for the call, Jennifer. But I think that it's it's really just not that easy. These pitches are coming in 95. They've got all kinds of break. I mean, if you if you ever get the chance, uh, and anyone who who is down at spring training ever or near uh, you know Rogers Center, you're able to see this this velocity at, at close speed. If you ever get that chance, it, it's a great it's a great opportunity because it reinforces just how fast 95 looks. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, I've I've had the opportunity to stand very close to these pitches many times. It man, it is coming in so fast. Yeah, these guys like pitchers and in in Major League Baseball, 
they make they contort their arms in ways that the human body probably was never <laughs> never designed to do and uh, yeah it's not it's not easy but it would it would just make life especially in the playoffs when things get very very tight when you really need to you know the people like to use the phrase, phrase manufacture runs and play small ball i know there's a lot of we get a lot of texts on the text line and not none tonight but just we get a lot of texts just generally speaking about small ball and how the Blue Jays seem to swing out of their shoes a lot. And in some of the slumps we've seen this season, I think there's some validity to that. Certainly not tonight. I mean, again, a lot of, all the runs came by the home run, so maybe, maybe there was something to that. But having said that, the uh, small ball does involve bunting, I suppose, and it's just it, it's not going to be super reliable. I suppose the thought process for the Blue Jays is that these guys are so talented, you won't need to bunt. But, you know, you, there are some things you want to see cleaned up. But, hey, I'm not going to nitpick. I, people know I, I nitpick here and there, but I'm not going to nitpick too much after a 6-2 win. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think I think bunting is a great element to have to your offense. If possible, you want to be able to bunt. And, and you know, to Jennifer's point, if, if Jackie Bradley Jr. could bunt and, and reliably get one down along the third baseline, great i mean that would it really would be great it, it's just it's tough to do and uh, you know for for a lot of reasons uh you're not going to be bunting a lot in the postseason realistically this is a slugging team they are built to hit home runs that's why they won today if they win the world series it's not going to be because they bunt well it's going to be because they hit home runs would be something to see a game winning bunt in the <laughs> it would world be series. great yeah it would be <laughs> awesome um however i think that's probably going to be a different team than the toronto blue jays <laughs> you're probably right uh let's go to the text line 59590 name and location uh, i'm just going to read a couple of these to you here ben because they're kind of all very similar uh there's no name on this one but this was from actually during the ball game a couple hours ago this has to be the last of kikuchi right pretty impossible to justify carrying him over mitch white for that fifth spot bullpen day in a playoff race at this time of year regardless of the money complete liability so there's no name on that one there's another one here this one's from uh, logan in saskatchewan typically i am pretty forgiving with kikuchi but i'm thinking the front office is missing out on some quality potential quality innings from either sacedo or gage maybe even a couple of right a couple righties with solid strikeout numbers such as younger uh, and then there's another one here and younger certainly down in the minors and then woody from barry luckily kikuchi, kikuchi didn't wreck our night but how in good conscience can john schneider run him out there and ask his team to compete send him down call up someone else where's matt gage where's taylor sacedo at this point i don't even care if it's a lefty just not kikuchi so uh, yeah, a lot of similar thoughts about Kikuchi. Again, he gave up the home run to Adley Rutschman. He uh, didn't, luckily, not a lot of damage from Kikuchi. I'm just checking here. 38 pitches, 23 of them strikes. He went two innings. He allowed the two hits. And, of course, the, the only two hits he allowed were the immediate triple he gave up to Cedric Mullins and then the home run immediately after that. So two runs, both of them are no walks, four strikeouts. And, uh, I look, I... It, you know what they say about the – I don't want to get on Kikuchi too, too much because they managed to avoid him costing them a win tonight. But they, they do say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, Ben. And, again, I, I the problem is there's no one else. The problem is there there is no one else. It doesn't – you know, it doesn't look great. The Blue Jays did eventually trade away uh, the trade deadline. Max Castillo, I think people would have been clamoring for Castillo to throw some innings. Were he still in the Blue Jays organization? He's not. 
I do agree with the texters about, I mean, I probably would take Taylor Sacedo over Kikuchi at this point. I probably would take Matt Gage. And we haven't seen Matt Gage throw major league innings in, I feel like, forever. And he impressed pretty pretty well when he was up with the majors. I don't know what's going on with Gage, but I would take either of those guys, probably, if you're only asking them for three to five outs, let's say. I'd probably roll the dice at this point with Sacedo or Gage over Kikuchi. And at this point, the starts that remain for the fifth starter spot for the Jays most likely go to Mitch White. Again, he had thrown six innings on Tuesday. He was not going to come back on a couple days rest, obviously. Not an option for today. Uh, But moving forward, Mitch White seems to be the candidate for that spot. Now, for Kikuchi, I wonder if what we saw right there was actually the highest leverage that Kikuchi will see from this point on. Because when he came into the game in the fourth inning with the Blue Jays up one, that was a high-leverage spot. I mean, it's a one-run game. It's Yeah, that's a high-leverage spot for Yusei Kikuchi. I think moving forward, you know, I just don't see the situation where he's coming into a game that is high-leverage. Now, there's room for someone to absorb innings if you're up big or you're down big and, you know, you want a capable major league pitcher. Yusei Kikuchi can be that person if you're up, down, six runs. Um, I just don't see him coming into close games at any any point in the regular season and certainly not in the playoffs. So the next time he pitches in leverage might be 2023. Well, and the thing, too, about the way they're going to construct or they're going to map out pitching starts between now and the end of the regular season is they're probably going to go back. I mean, certainly based on what happened in a, in a very busy stretch of time. And certainly we have two more games against the Orioles tomorrow, Saturday, and on Sunday, then there's a day off, and there's a couple of days off. Now that they're past the doubleheaders of the month of September, uh, there are a couple of days off. I think there's one on Monday, and there's one on Thursday, September 29th. Those are the two days off of the Blue Jays for the rest of the month, and then there's just games until the end of the season on Wednesday, October 5th. And um, the only reason I know that is because I think to myself, oh, I don't have to work on those days. That's where <laughs> those, are the, those are the days I circle on the calendar. I'm sure Tom does the same thing. Uh, so, But having said that, you like knowing there are days off coming up, you, it does mean there's more rest of the bullpen in the next couple of weeks, at the very least. It's September 16th today. And then you add in as well, like you said, Mitch White. So you go back from the end of the regular season, you think, think to yourself, okay, how many more starts can I get for Alec Manoa in here? How many more starts can I get for Kevin Gossman in here? How many more starts can I get for Ross Stripling, who's been phenomenal this season? Jose Barrios, who we're going to see tomorrow. And then how many starts, essentially, does that leave for Mitch White? I, w- I honestly would be shocked if we had a, a, a barring some kind of freaky injury, I, I would be shocked if we saw any more bullpen days between now and the end of the regular season. Yeah, if, if everyone stays healthy, I think Mitch White is the person who ends up taking on the, that fifth starter's role. Maybe you put an opener in front. Richards was really good as an opener here today, and White pitched really well yeah. after an opener on Tuesday. So, you know, I'm not saying that White's going to be a starting pitcher, but he is going to be part of that five-man rotation in some form. And I think you're okay with that for probably a couple starts. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go from a health standpoint, too. There are no guarantees, even this time of year. But with health cooperating, then White would be that fifth starter. Do you think with White, because I, I remember when Stripling, and this goes back to last season, but I remember when Stripling was going into the starting rotation in place of Ryu, certainly, and this is a conversation we were having last season as well. I, I just remember we were we would say, and, and this is a lot of this year too, we would just say, okay, Stripling, two times through the order, that's it. And then you go to the bullpen and you kind of, maybe not roll the dice, but you, you, you just use the bullpen liberally once Stripling has seen the order two times. 
this year Stripling has been phenomenal. I, I have no doubt. It's he, I, I don't even want to say he's an unsung hero. He is one of the actual MVPs for the Blue Jays this year. I have no idea what their record would look like or what the tenor around the team would look like or feel like, I suppose, if Stripling was not a member of the starting rotation. I, I honestly don't because he has been absolutely so phenomenal. But So we don't have to really have the should Stripling only go two times through the order anymore because it's clearly not the case. They're clearly very they're, – they're okay with letting him see the order a third time and uh, almost three complete times, essentially, which you don't see very often for, for a lot of pitchers these days. So that's good. Are we having that same conversation two times through the order at a maximum for Mitch White at this point? I think most likely you're looking for two times through from Mitch White. There could be circumstances where um, – you push him a bit further depending on pitch count, depending on game situation. Um, but I think as a general guideline, that makes sense. And, you know, really, I'm fascinated to see what Jose Barrios can do tomorrow because at this point, I think Stripling is probably your third most trusted starting pitcher. But there is time. There's still two plus weeks in the season. Maybe Jose Barrios goes out there tomorrow and changes that. Maybe he's someone in the course of his final push here where he certainly has the stuff to do it. He's certainly done it before. Maybe he can make things really interesting and put himself into that discussion where, you know, with Stripling, if it was a big game, playoff game, the Jays would have no hesitation about throwing him out there. And they wouldn't with Barrios either, but I think Barrios can push himself forward if he finishes strong. Uh, there's a text here on the text line, and again, you can shoot us some at 590-590, name and location. Nate from Guelph. Hey, show, talk to me about Stripling. If the Jays need three starters in the postseason, is he ahead of Barrios? He has pitched so well. Thank you. And this is something that Blair and Barker have discussed a lot as of late. I I still, I, I admit in the last, maybe prior to the last two stripling starts, I had still been on Team Barrios because I think there's so much potential for Barrios. He, the, when, when the breaking ball, when the off-speed stuff is working, and that's his bread and butter, as he himself has said. I think it was to Arash one, one day he had said that's his bread and butter. When that stuff is working and it's breaking and the run on, on some of those pitches are really is really working, he is almost unhittable. It's truly ridiculous. But the problem is it, it, it certainly feels like the, the ceiling for Barrios is sky high. The floor is very, very low, as we have seen, dating all the way back to the season opener this, this year right here at Rogers Center. And uh, whereas for Stripling, I'm not sure the ceiling, honestly, is that much. I would say it's lower. I'm not sure it's that much lower than what Barrios has shown us, given that Stripling has pitched so, so well. I think I may honestly put Stripling over Barrios at this point. Or, and I mean, the, a worst-case scenario, you can stack both of them if you really need to, or if, or if the Blue Jays do win in two games or three games in the wildcard series and they need a Game 1 starter. You feel okay about having either Stripling or Barrios be that guy in Game 1 of the next series, if that's, if that's what it comes to. Yeah, it's becoming an interesting discussion. I, I think clearly Stripling has gone from you know a guy who wasn't even in the starting rotation to someone that they would confidently give the ball to in a playoff game so what a transformation it says all you need to know about his season that he's been able to accomplish that in the course of six months it's it's been remarkable and I agree I mean his floor is very high he's been remarkably consistent for the Blue Jays all season long and you know I I think Jose Brios has a higher ceiling for strikeouts for example but the goal of the game isn't to strike out as many hitters as you can, it's to keep runs off the board. And Stripling has been incredibly adept at that with his changeup, with his willingness to attack the zone, with the weak contact that he induces at times. It's really worked for him. First pitch curveballs, keeping hitters off balance, and it's a it's a recipe that's that's working as well as it ever has 
And so there's got to be no hesitation at all about using him. And, of course, you need all four. Absolutely. Hey, 100%. I think Stripling has made quite the case, and he's made a, he's made his case for being a, a Game 3 in a potential three-game playoff series, a Game 3 starter. Um, before we go back to the phone lines, I see Omar here. We'll get to Omar in a second. Real quick, what do you think Ross Stripling's next contract looks like? I think that is one of the most fascinating off-season discussions that the Blue Jays will have to have because he's 32 years old. I believe his birthday... Yep, it's at the end of November, so he's going to be 33 before the end of the year, which means that so he'll be 33 come March. Uh, I kind of look at another former Blue Jays pitcher in Stephen Matz. Matz got $44 million over four years. We got $11 million per year from the Cards. I think, I'm think i not sure if he's still on the IL or not, but either way, he pitched d- very, very well, certainly, for the Blue Jays last season and had a good start before getting injured for the Cards this year. But $11 million a year, is that too low for Ross Stripling at this point? I know the qualifying offer, which is the one-year deal, I believe it's the average of the top 125. Is that what it is, the Major League Ball players? I want to say 100, but I okay. don't have it in front of me. Okay, so it's a, but it's an average of like a, a number of Major League contracts. So the qualifying offer this year, I think, is going to come in around... 17 to 18 million dollars. So if that so okay, so 11 million dollars a year per year for Stripling, do you do that if it's a 3 or 4 year deal that starts when he is 33, probably ends when he is 36 or 37? Do you give him a one-year, $18 million qualifying offer? I'm so fascinated by the Stripling contract discussions. It will be really interesting. And one way or another, he's going to be the hardest Blue Jays free agent to replace this offseason. That's going to be a really um, important one for them. I'm sure they will have interest in re-signing him. I imagine that he will have interest in returning here. I don't think the Jays qualify him. We'll see. Uh, There's still season left. There's still postseason left. I don't think he would be qualified, sort of similar to Matt's, where they did not qualify him, even though they considered it. I, I see Stripling as a as a multi-year uh, free agent. I think he gets a multi-year deal. I think 11 on the AAV is probably within the range. I think that's probably a little light. I I don't see him getting four years. Um, and the, the thing with Matt's, like to get a $44 million guarantee, which, by the way, was a nice deal for him. Yeah. I think Matt's also... It's got to be noted, like he has a longer track record of pitching extended innings and being a reliable starting pitcher who hauls innings for teams. Um, so that would obviously impact teams' assessments of him. I think with Stripling, and there's a great debate to be had here, I think there will be many teams that are interested at a multi-year level, at a two-year level. Does one team go to three? I don't know. I, I think if you're signing up for his age 33 and 34 seasons, I mean... That's a pitcher you want. That's a pitcher you want, and you're prepared to pay significant dollars for. So, you know, you think about Tanner Roark as another comp, right? Sure, yeah. 24 over 2. That, to me, is a comp that kind of rings as a stripling uh, possibility in my mind. But, of course, that's all speculation at this point. Yeah, 12 years, uh, pardon me, 12 mil over two years AAV for uh, for Roark, and of course they ended up DFAing Roark, and I want I don't want to like dredge up the Roark, <laughs> the Tyler Chatwood <laughs> stuff of years past, but the the Roark contract is definitely an interesting one because it's true. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you feel more comfortable about giving? 12 to $13 million a season to Stripling for two or three years, then let's say whatever the Blue Jays, or $16 million they're paying Kikuchi right now. If you could if you could just give Stripling the Kikuchi deal, <laughs> I think you would. I think, I yes. think most people would, given what uh, what they've gotten out of uh, both of those guys this season. Uh, let's quickly go to the phone lines. Again, 416-870-0590. Star, uh, star 590 in your cell, one 590 Omar calling in from Toronto. Omar, welcome to Jay's Talk. 
Hey, man, I uh, just want to thank you guys for getting me through that Apple TV broadcast today. Um, <laughs> um, I had a question, sort of serious question here about the catching situation. Sure. So Jansen played today, played really, really well, and I've sort of really rated him as a defensive catcher all year. In the playoffs, do you guys prefer to start catcher, uh, start Jansen in the catcher position and D.H. Kirk, or are you guys sort of giving them equal time there? Thanks for the call, Omar. Thanks for tuning in during the uh, Apple TV broadcast. Thanks to everyone who listened <laughs> yeah, in tonight. Hey, it, was yeah. a, it was a fun game. Um, yeah, during the playoffs, I think they're going to want to get Kirk's bat in there as much as possible. I think part of it depends clearly on Kirk's hip and how he's feeling. Um, at this point, if the playoffs started tomorrow, Jansen will be catching, and Kirk probably uh, toughs it out and, and goes in and DHs. If Kirk can, can recover, then I think that we see him in there. Maybe they use the DH spot differently to get, I don't know, Lourdes, for example, depending on his hamstring. So a lot of variables here. You know, as I said during the game, I, I think they're just in such a good spot where you're legitimately fine with either one of these guys starting a huge game. Are you, are you maybe concerned is not the right word, Ben, but, uh, and hey, Omar, appreciate the call, man. Um, have a great weekend. I, I, I wonder, are, we've talked a lot this season about the, the calling a game ability of Danny Jansen versus Alejandro Kirk. How much do you personally, Ben, you know, taking that, take that into account when deciding who is actually going to be behind the plate? You know, I, I don't know if I have the ability to assess that, right? Like, I know, obviously, Buck Martinez, Joe Siddle, they've got such a great eye for that sort of thing. It is hard to tell, uh, you know, what kind of uh, impact a game caller is having and what kind of calls they're making. Um, certainly with so much going on in the game, you can talk to pitchers, and pitchers definitely say that Jan- I mean, Jansen, clearly. They have tons of faith in him. And Kirk, in the course of the last year and a half, two years, he's taken so many strides to really earn their trust and get to that point. Moreno is the guy who doesn't have that same knowledge and familiarity. So I think Kirk and Jansen I would lump together, and, and yeah, we should ask Joe about that for sure. We should, yeah. I think I always love getting... Joe's breakdowns because he he always gets so animated. He's always yeah. like, "Oh, I want to I want to go out there and put my fingers in the dirt." And all. <laughs> I think it's it's really great stuff. Joe is one of the best analysts I think Sportsnet has ever employed. So uh, if you ever want catching insight, Joe Siddle is the guy to uh, to get to get it from. Uh, we're gonna step aside, take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll get back to the phone lines again. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell phone. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety. If you want to give us a call, five ninety five ninety is the text line. Leave your name and location. We'll go back to the phone lines, back to the text lines after this. I'm Show. That's Ben. You're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I mean, he's always a threat to leave the yard, but you know, he's a veteran hitter. He gives you a good at bat every single time, uh, no matter the outcome. Um, you know, it's just you look up at the end of the year and he's going to get his numbers. So, you know, today with the catches in foul territory, the two homers, you know, you can't really just say enough about the type of player that he is, the impact he has on this whole team. You know, it's just a guy like him, a guy like George, veteran dudes to surround it, you know, are kind of our young core. Um, you know, those guys stepped up tonight, but you just really, you really just can't say enough about him. He's just a pro and he gives you a good at bat every time. That is John Schneider speaking about Matt Chapman, who banged two home runs tonight. Of course, made a couple of nifty little plays at third base, certainly in foul territory as well. He's at 26 home runs on the season. As we welcome you back to Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet 
Radio Network. Show Ali, Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you. We're down at the Rogers Center as they're wrapping up. I can see Arden down there on the field just wrapping up his hit for, I assume, Sportsnet Central, but uh, I'm sure we'll see Arden very soon, Ben. Of course, Ben does uh, at the letters with Arden Zwelling, which you can find on sportsnet.ca. Uh, before we get back to the phone lines and the text line, quickly, let's get through the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sportsbook with 63 million members worldwide, 19-plus play responsibly Ontario only. So Ben Schulman and BNS were talking about this during the game, but the game you're kind of you were kind of keeping your eye on throughout this one was that between uh, that of the uh, Texas Rangers uh, taking on the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, wouldn't you know it, the Texas Rangers doing the Blue Jays a favor, knocking off the Rays four to three. I believe the Boston Red Sox also won tonight. They won 2-1. to one. That, that, That's super, uh, super significant for us. But the other games of consequence to the Blue Jays, the Angels currently lead the Mariners in the top of the third inning, 2-1. to one. Taylor Ward with a two-run RBI uh, single, two-RBI uh, single. And uh, the Yankees and Brewers tied at five. So Willie Adamas hitting a three-run jack, and then the Brewers coming back to tie that game. So it's a bottom five for New York and Milwaukee. So... With all that said, with the Yankees playing right now, with the Mariners playing right now, the Blue Jays with the win are 82-63 and 63 on the season. They still occupy the number one spot in the wildcard race. The Mariners, 80-62. and 62. So even with a win tonight, I believe the Mariners would still be a half game back of the Blue Jays. And uh, or maybe they would be virtually tied. It kind of it, it, I think it depends because the even with a win, the Blue Jays would have one extra win, but also one extra loss than the uh, than the Mariners. And then the Rays are in third place. They are eighty and sixty four. The Baltimore Orioles four and a half games out of third place, and uh, the Blue Jays are six games up on the O's. So time you know time's starting to run out here. Where it's interesting because there's that. There's certainly the rest of this series, Ben, for the Orioles. But then the the final three games of the regular season this year are in Camden Yards. And I, I think most Blue Jays fans, you and I as well, all the media who covers the team, I think most people would love nothing more than for those three games at Camden Yards to be completely meaningless for the Blue Jays. It, it would certainly change the dynamic. Now, I, I find it hard to imagine that they wouldn't have some bearing on the seating. I think for the Blue Jays, I still think they likely will mean something. Now, for the Orioles, especially if the Blue Jays continue their winning ways against Baltimore as this weekend unfolds, you could imagine that the Orioles might be in a tough spot. And you could imagine that for them, they would already be fully eliminated. And now that depends on a lot of things, the Rays, the Mariners, the Blue Jays. So a lot of variables right here, but the Jays, most importantly, taking care of their own business, continuing to play great baseball now 12-4 and in the month of September, winners of 21 of their last 30. Yeah, the Blue Jays have been playing terrific baseball, and you hope it continues tomorrow against the Orioles for Game 2 of this three-game series. Jose Barrios will be on the mound, and Kyle Bradish will go for the O's. Uh, let's go to the text line here, 590-590, uh, name and location. This kind of in the same vein as what we've been talking about. Jeremy from Alberta, who are you wanting to face in the postseason? I'm hoping for the White Sox in Chicago. Look, I'll, I'll take pretty much anyone at this point, but I, ha- I have said this before, like the selfishly, Ben, I would love to be back down here at the Rogers Center. You, I think you just, at this point, you control what you can control, so you just win as many games as humanly possible. If it means you win the AL East, that'd be great. If the Yankees lose tonight, the Blue Jays already won, you'd be six games uh, back of the Yankees. Probably unlikely with however many games there are now left in the season. So if that's the case, then you're thinking about the wild card. Would I like to see three games here at Rogers Center against 
either the Mariners or the Rays, yeah, I think I think most people would take a home series. Having said that, it, I think there is something to what Jeremy is saying about the White Sox in Chicago, which would mean the White Sox would have to come back and win the division, the AL Central, and the Blue Jays would have to finish in the third wild card spot. I just it's a little dicey when you start to get when you get to do you want to are you are you you're, you're trying to ensure you get a, a better seating? Like it just feels like the baseball gods don't really like that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Agreed. I I think you know to get to where the Jays want to go, they're going to have to beat the likes of the Yankees and the Astros or eventually the Mets or Atlanta or the Dodgers. You're going to have to beat such good teams. So I don't think that you can let the Seattle Mariners or the Rays or the White Sox scare you. I think you just have to say, if you're the Jays, play as well as you possibly can, get to the playoffs, ideally with your rotation somewhat intact and good health, and then at that point, you're going to have to run a gauntlet. If you want to get to where they want to go, you're going to have to beat so many good teams, you're going to have to outperform so many good players, and you're going to have to do that consistently for a month. So, yeah, it's it starts wherever that is. I you know, selfishly, it'd be great to see it in Toronto. I think that the fans of the Blue Jays really deserve to oh, see yeah. some playoff games after the way the last couple of years have unfolded. So I hope for the fans that there's some playoff games in Toronto. And right now, the Jays are in that number one spot. I am 1,000% biased, Ben, but I think when this place is full, the Rogers Center, there might be no better place in baseball to watch a full game. Dome opened or closed. The atmosphere here is second, I personally think, and again, am I biased? Absolutely. But the I think the atmosphere here is second to none. It's crazy. It's a great atmosphere. I love when they have the roof open. Like, I, I like the cool air filtering in as you get into September, October. I know it gets colder, and, <laughs> you know, I might be I might have a different idea as to how this should go in, in four or five weeks. But And, and the, typically, they've closed the, in 15 and 16. They had the roof closed for all the playoff games. So right, we'll right. see how that unfolds. But, yeah, it's it's great. It's a great atmosphere this time of year. It's fun, um, and the Jays uh, continue to position themselves well. Before we go back to the phone lines, real quick, I just saw this note from our technical producer, Brett Armstrong. Uh, Albert Pujols, homering on a fly ball to left field. Nolan Arenado scores number 698 as he ties the game. Cards and Reds tied at four. I mean, honestly, like, you would expect the Cards to be beat up on the Reds because it's the Reds and it's the Cards. But having said that, I think it would just be so cool to see him hit 700. It would be really cool. It would be. And, you know, you're not alone in thinking that. I, I spent a good chunk of this week talking to various players, including Vladdy and Wander Franco and Kevin Biggio and others uh, about Albert Pujols and what he means to them. And so many players have stories about what, what impact he's had on their careers, on their lives. This is a really a legend in the game of baseball, and he's having a great year. Yeah. Like He is not fading into the background the way we thought he might. He's really producing, and now 698. Let's hope he gets to that 700. What do you ask for if you catch the 700th home run ball in the outfield? What do you ask for if you're, uh, if you're that guy? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I mean, it's a it's a delicate line to walk, right? <laughs> um, remember that whole. Remember when Tom Brady threw whatever the whatever the like the final touchdown of his career or whatever the record breaking wa- ball was last season, and then he retired and then unretired, and then that guy had to like he got the guy who who got it bought it for like I don't know a zillion dollars, and then he had to get a refund from like whatever auction house sold it. I I, I don't think that's going to happen to Pujols, but I do, I do kind of wonder what you ask for. I think I think I seem to recall Brady gave him like 
Like, I think he gave him, like, some Bitcoin or something. I, I wonder if, wow. if, I mean, I don't know if Pools is, I'm sure he's very wealthy. I don't know if he's as wealthy as Tom Brady, but, hey, I mean, I, maybe he is. Honestly, I have no idea what his career earnings are, but I, just, I always think it's funny. What do you ask for in those situations? Yeah, Pools would have earned, yeah, 250, 300 million in his career. Um, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's tricky. It really is. Um, but, uh, but one way or another, let's hope that there's some oh, yeah. memorabilia out there that someone can can spend a, a fortune on at, a, at an auction house to be determined later. Absolutely, yeah. 698 for Pujols tonight. Okay, let's get to the phone lines. Again, 416-870-0590. 590 star 590 on your cellular device. Uh, Greg calling in from Athens, Ontario. Greg, welcome to Jay's Talk. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, how's it going? What do you want to talk about tonight? Not too bad. Well, I just have a few things. I, sure. If the season ended now, there's no way... Reels would start over stripling. You're probably right, honestly, Ben. I think Ben has talked oh, me into really? it. You're, I think you're. I think you're right. Anyway, one other thing: the bunny. There should be no reason they can't square square around properly. Whether it's Springer, Bo- Golden Boy One, Golden Boy Two, and just lay it down. You know what I mean? Get the bot squared around. I don't care whether they're throwing a hundred. And you're saying, well, the bottom of the order should be. Well, if they got first and second on a playoff game and the score is tied, they should be butting them over. Yeah, hey, Greg, I appreciate the call, man. I, 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 I don't disagree. I don't disagree like, in the sense that there should be someone who can bunt on this roster. With that general point, I do not disagree. I, I do kind of disagree with the, with the idea that even the big boys should be bunting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. struggling with some ground balls right now. We did see him hit that absolutely. Like the launch angle on the hundredth home run a couple of days ago was as opposite the ground balls issues that I feel like we've seen and maybe all season long. Having said that, even though he is still struggling with the uh, with the ground balls, I just I'm not sure I'm not sure you would feel good about Vladdy Kirk. Certainly George Springer, certainly Bo Bichette, probably even Teoscar Hernandez, maybe a couple other guys too about bunting, just because we know what they're capable of beyond that. I Don't get me wrong, you still need someone to bunt. When, when there are guys at second and third or first and second or what have you and there's one out and you or no outs and you need to advance some runners in a tight ball game, sure, absolutely, 1,000%. But I just, I'm not sure it's going to be those guys. I am sure it won't be those guys. And <laughs> I appreciate the call, Greg. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. Love hearing different perspectives and, and welcome yours for sure. I, yeah, I think you're not bunting with Vlad or Bo or Springer. It's it's just not going to happen. And it, and it shouldn't happen because these guys are capable of doing so much more. Now, there are very, very specific situations. If you're down by one and you have a runner on first base, sure, I, I'm okay with bunting in those situations. Um, you want to get that runner into scoring position. Same thing, runner on second base, nobody out. You want to bunt him over to third, no problem with that. But that's really a hyper, hyper-specific situation. Right. Broadly speaking, these guys are capable of doing more. So if you're down three, if you're up three, if you're tied, you are not bunting. You are letting these guys do their thing. And put it this way, if you start bunting with Vlad and with Bo, you are doing Aaron Boone or Brandon Hyde or Kevin Cash just the biggest favor imaginable. And, and roll, do a role reversal. Let's say you're playing the Yankees, and let's say they start bunting with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. You are thrilled 
right? You are just you are just completely, completely thrilled. So other teams would love to see the Blue Jays start bunting, which tells you you shouldn't be bunting. Yeah, I, I 1,000%. It's a, it's a good point, actually. It's a good way to frame that because you're right. If the, if the Blue Jays saw Aaron, Bud, Aaron Judge square for a bunt, you'd think, what is happening right now? Is you he say, injured? Like, say, this is great. Yeah. This is amazing. Thank you very much, Yankees. This is so good. This is the best thing possible. Uh, I do want to get to, before we get out of here, we have a couple minutes left here, Ben. I do want to get to some of this uh, contract talk that, of course, Hector Gomez, who is an MLB insider for, I believe it is Zed 101, one of the big radio stations in the Dominican Republic, he reported yesterday, and I think it's been since confirmed, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is as happy as a Blue Jay, wants to sign a long-term contract extension. Kind of the first time we've heard this, it's, it seemed kind of strange that now is the first time we're hearing about this maybe it's just that no one had ever asked him and that's why but I'm, I'm just curious like what do you think someone like Vladdy Jr. gets and certainly it's, that's also tied to a certain degree with Bo Bichette it's just with all the big time contracts we've seen handed out to young talent in Major League Baseball we have seen uh, we've seen Julio Rodriguez and Fernando Tatis what's a, what's your quick thought on what he might get well, this is so. My understanding is, first of all, that there's an openness. I don't. I don't think Vlad Jr. is going out of his way and saying I must do this. I think it's an openness, and it's one that Hazel May of Sportsnet has also reported on that there's an openness from Vladdy, as you'd expect. Now, the Arbiers are the easy part. He has three Arbiers left. You can take a look um, and basically map out what that would look like. Is that 45 million? Is it 50 million? It, it's a big. It's a big chunk of money. And that's relatively easy to establish. Then you got free agent years on top of that. Yeah. So how many years is that? Is that 10? What's the AAV? Add that to the ARB years. There's your extension. So that's how you structure these sorts of things. But I don't think that's a discussion for right now. I think maybe once you start getting into the early part of 2023, and there's no guarantee that Vlad or Bo is going to be on that same page. Absolutely, yeah. I think he would want that number to start with a three. Yeah. I'm not sure the Jays are uh, quite there yet, but hey, you never know, right? It's, if there's ever a time to sign him to a major a major deal, it's probably now in a down year. But that does it for Jays Talk tonight. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side baseball fans. Jays beat the O's 6-3. Tomorrow, Barrios goes for Toronto. Kyle Bradish for Baltimore. BNS and I are back for more Jays Talk tomorrow. Ben Shulman with the call. Have a great Friday night, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow.